Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you're here with us today. We want to welcome our guests, our visitors. We are glad that you're here with us. We invite you to take a look at your bulletin that you received on the way in this morning. There are several announcements and uh, other things to be aware of in that bulletin. We invite you to just take a look at that. There's a tear out in that, in that bulletin. If you're a guest here with us today in our midst, we invite you to tear that out. Tear that tear out out in your bulletin to fill out the information on the front side of that and to place it in the offering plate as it goes by later in our service. We'd love to get to know you and who you are a little bit better. On the back of that, there's also a, uh, a space for prayer requests. We would invite anyone to fill that out and to place it in the offering plate so our staff and other members of our church can be in prayer for you in the coming week. I have a few announcements. First of all, today, uh, we want to welcome someone who has been in our church several times over the last few years. Adam White is a trumpet player. He's a former Gardner-Webb student. Um, Adam White had the pleasure or perhaps displeasure of living with me for about two years at Gardner-Webb, and so I know Adam pretty well, and Adam, we are glad to have you here this morning. Adam is going to be playing several times in our service this morning. Adam will also be back this evening at 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Uh, he's going to uh, provide us with a concert, and so we would invite all of you to come back in support of Adam and to hear some wonderful music and trumpet playing this evening at 6 o'clock. Uh, just a few other announcements. This night at 5 p.m., at 5 p.m., Dr. Joe Webb is going to be starting uh, his sessions on the James, the brother of Jesus. Um, and so we would invite you to come this evening at 5 o'clock to hear Dr. Webb and then to stay at 6 for Adam's concert following. This coming Monday night, tomorrow, at Gardner-Webb University, as part of Cedric's work that he has been doing here at our church and also over at Green Bethel Baptist, um, there is a community diversity panel discussion that will take place in the Tucker Student Center at Gardner-Webb. That is tomorrow evening from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Cedric has a, has a big role in that, and so we would invite anyone in our church to come to that event uh, tomorrow evening at Gardner-Webb. Uh, it is not placed in the bulletin today, but just to let anyone know who may be interested in our Wednesday night fellowship meals, the menu for this coming Wednesday night, March 8th, will be Salisbury steak, cream potatoes, green beans, and dessert. So now that I've gotten you all hungry, Keith, let's just remember that today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We are glad that you are here with us today. We are excited to see your faces. Uh, we are glad that you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. May we all prepare our hearts to worship our Lord this morning. Thank you. 
as Adam and Roger have prepared us for worship, let us call ourselves into worship by joining together and singing, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. You'll find the words in your order of service and also on the screens. Verses 1 through 11. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you. While you may be found, surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad you're righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Our hymn of praise this morning is hymn number 15, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Number 15. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing.
have something in my basket, and I'm struggling today to protect it. See, I almost already had it taken out of my basket once today. There's a man on the pew back there that wants the basket too. So maybe our lesson has already been taught. But I have a bag. You cannot open it. Ooh, look at Rylan's eyes getting big. All right, just hold on to it. Don't open it. Brayden. Hayden. Hayden. And Emerson. You can't open it. Just got to look at it. That's hard, isn't it? Our word, our lesson today is on temptation. And Jesus was in the wood in the desert for 40 days. He had nothing to eat. Smells good, doesn't it? Mm. Mr. Hamrick, these are red. Mm, these smell so good. He was tempted by someone. Do you know who tempted him? Who might have tempted Jesus? How about Satan? I know this is bad manners, but just so good. It's just so good. Satan tempted Jesus three times. You have three candies in your bag. Skittles, M&Ms, and Lifesavers. There sure is some temptation. Right? Not any temptational there, Aiden. Don't you open that bag. But do you know what Jesus did every time that Satan said something to him? He said, no. I will not do what you asked me to do. I will not turn stones to bread. I will not jump off the highest mountain. I will not do because there's somebody that will take care of me. Who takes care of you? Oh, these are so good. When you are tempted at school, what do you do? If somebody asks you to take something from somebody else, is that a temptation? It is, isn't it? Do you do it? Are you strong? Are you being strong this morning? <laughs> Was Jesus strong? Yes. I will quit eating them before I get sick. I want to read a verse. Our scripture today is coming from Matthew. But the last two verses are this. Jesus said to him, and he's talking to Satan, Get away from me, Satan. It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and he is the only one you should serve. Then... The devil left Jesus. Angels came and took care of him. So when you're at school tomorrow or when you're out with friends and they say, mm, let's do this, and in your heart you know it's wrong and it's not the right thing to do, and they are tempting you to do that so that they have someone to do it with, remember that there is someone inside of you that's protecting you who's giving you the strength that only he can give you to say no. Can we remember that? 
He's in your heart. He's in your lives every day. And he makes you that strong person that has kept you from eating that candy while I was a mean person and ate in front of you. Let us pray. Jesus, give these children, these families in this church the strength they need to live each day. These, children's are, these children are faced with temptations every day. They need you in their heart. They need you in their lives to do as your son did and say no. Watch over them, Lord. Protect them with all your might. Keep them safe because they are not only your children, but our children. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, I can see that a mission moment is not going to be nearly as interesting as that. I didn't bring candy. I'd like to mention an opportunity this morning that we have to help with the Honduras Baptist Dental Mission. Over the years, uh, this has been going on for about 40 years, but over the years, uh, many of our church members have gone to Honduras in the springtime and helped with this mission. Let's see, who has gone? Dr. Jean Washburn, Charlene Washburn, who used to be a member here, Linda Page, Jenny Bridges Price, Elizabeth Pack, Celeste and Han Thurman, and Buddy and Meredith Moorhead, and their three children. Now this year, Celeste Thurman is going again with this group in June. These people pay their own way to go and minister to these folks in Honduras. But they can't do it alone in Honduras. And so two Honduras doctors are hired to help for the week, 12 translators, and food and lodging from the Honduras staff, and medicines that they're going to use when they get there. And for many years, the Red Bank Baptist Church in Tennessee has paid all of those costs in Honduras. But this year, they are not able to do all of that, and so they've asked our help. They're asking the four churches who have members going to help pay for these costs in Honduras. Well, uh, our part would be $925. The missions committee has some budget money, and so they've put in some money. And most of the people, I think all of them now, of those who have gone before in our church have also contributed. And so with all of that added up, we still need about $100 more. So I thought I would mention that this Sunday. If you would like to help pay for that medicine that Celeste is going to be using and help her with a translator, we would appreciate it if you'd take an envelope from the pew 
put some money in it or write a check to the church and just mock Honduras on the outside. And uh, Heidi in the office will take that money and put it aside just for this purpose. This is our own, only Sunday where we're going to be mentioning this, and we appreciate your interest, and we appreciate your support over the years. These people who come to the clinic, a great many of them have made professions of faith as they witness to these folks about the love of Jesus. Thank you for your interest, and Thank you in advance for your help. I'd like to thank Ellen and Bob for your words this morning. Before I pray today, let me mention, uh, well, first of all, thank you for your uh, concern and questions and prayers. I've been battling a head cold for a couple weeks, and I shared with several this morning that uh, I know it was Dr. Seuss's birthday this week, and the kids celebrated that in their schools by dressing up like Dr. Seuss characters. And I shared with them a quote that says, I'm in pretty good shape for the shape I'm in. And um, so if I still sound a little funny this morning or cough or whatever, you'll, you'll understand that I'm continuing to get over a sickness myself. But um, let's remember the family of Scott Skinner and the passing of his father this weekend. And let's also remember uh, Clyde and Pat Bowen. Uh, Clyde is, uh, is transitioning and we'll be doing that tomorrow to Carillon here in Shelby from White Oak in Kings Mountain. And let's also continue to be in prayer for Will DePerrin. I'm glad you're here this morning. Will you join me now in a moment of prayer? God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. You tell us in the scriptures that where two or three, two or more are gathered in your name, there you are with them. God, we thank you and praise you for the ways you have been at work here among your people and in our community. For the gifts of love that have been extended to many this last month, we pray, God, that you would take these simple acts and bless them and use them to help advance your kingdom. As we have now begun a 40-day period of preparation for Easter Sunday, and as we remind ourselves of the events that led up to your great sacrifice and gift of love, help us today to learn from your time of testing and temptation in the wilderness, and remind us and bring us to face, to confront, and to deal with our own weaknesses and temptations that lie within us. Help us, God, to seek you in new and personal ways. God, let us worship you in authentic ways and walk the journey together as your people. God, we know that as we do this, your spirit will be our guide and our companion along the way. Speak to each of us this day in ways that we need to be spoken to. Encourage those that need hope and a good word this morning. Challenge those that need to be lifted from spiritual complacency. Convict each of us of our sin so that we can confess and renew our relationship with you. And Father, we ask that you would grant directions for those who are faced with decisions this day. And now I'd ask the congregation to join me in the words that are in your bulletin or on your screen in praying the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Now, if you would, please turn in your hymnals to number four, To God Be the Glory, number four. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing. as we pray to our Father in heaven. O glorious Lord, Holy Father, as we come to you in preparation for our time of offering, let us remember the lesson of the widow's offering and how she was praised not because of the amount she gave, but because of the reason behind her offering. Let us also remember the words of your servant Micah, 
who proclaim that it is not sacrifices or offering of money that the Lord requires of us, but to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with the Lord our God. Whatever offering that the Holy Spirit leads you to give, we give unto you, Father, in praise of your glory, of all you have done, of all you are still doing and will do. For you are our God, and all praise and glory goes to you. May the Lord in heaven bless this church. May the Lord in heaven bless all the offerings we bestowed upon you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen.
scripture this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And while you're turning to that, I'd just like to say this morning is just it's just been a real good morning with great music. Um, you know, it's just a real good feeling this morning. And also the uh, children's sermon this morning, I believe that was spot on. Because I really, oh, I really want to come down there for some candy now. And that is what our lesson is on this morning. It's temptation, the temptation of Jesus. If you'd follow along with me. And Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And as he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give His angels charge of you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and the glory to them. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, Angels came and ministered to him. Amen. Thank you, Jamie and choir and Adam. Good to have you with us this morning. And uh, come back tonight at 6, and uh, you'll be in for a treat. And I hope at that time, Adam, you'll share a little with us about your journey and what's transitioning and happening in your life right now. And we look forward to hearing that. But today we begin a new sermon series, one that will lead us through a season a preparation for Easter. Uh, we many refer to this season as the season of Lent. And this is not something that is in our pockets this morning, but it is a period of 40 days. The term is not in the scripture, but the, the uh, season of days are found throughout scripture. We know of the people of Israel for 40 days of wandering in the wilderness, and we most commonly think about the 40 days in reference to Jesus and the story that Jamie just read this morning of his temptation or testing uh, in the wilderness. Many Christians throughout the world um, find this 40 days of preparation of great benefit to their spiritual lives. Uh, today it begins a new sermon series called Boot Camp for Renewal. And I need to spend a moment um, uh, explaining this, but uh, if you've been here over the last four weeks, there may be a little bit of a sting, if you will, especially after these four weeks on love. Because what leads me to say this is for the first two words of the sermon series, Boot Camp, we get the term from the military, but it does not always apply to the military. There are exercise boot camps, there are weight loss boot camps, there are marriage boot camps, uh, there are educational boot camps, there's probably science or math or, uh, you know, these different kinds of boot camps as well. And so what it communicates is hard work. What it communicates is if you go into a uh, physical boot camp is that you will come out stronger and come out in better shape than you went into it at the beginning. 
If you go into an educational boot camp, you'll come out with a, a head full of knowledge and you focused on this one thing for a certain intense period of time. I think college professors may call that a J-term. I'm not sure. Or the, one of these one-week classes that you're in class from nine to five for five days a week. Uh, I, would, I would consider that a little bit of a boot camp. But the, again, the idea here is an intense training before something new take pl- takes place. My hopes for these next 40 days is that we can experience a spiritual transformation, that we can experience some spiritual renewal, if you will, that we look more like Jesus in 40 days or as we move into the spring than we do now. I think you would agree with me that that the demands of everyday life can often suck the energy that we have out of us, whether it's just keeping up with family, keeping up with finances, uh, keeping up with doctor visits and who needs what and, and who needs to go where, when, and, and if you're a mom or dad and you're, you're playing, you know, the shuttle route of getting kids to practice and here and there, and uh, the demands of life can just simply at times overwhelm us um, and, um, and, and suck what life we have in us out of us at times. The other half of the sermon, as I said, boot camp for renewal. The word renew has slightly different meanings in both the Hebrew and the Greek, but a good summary would be this. It means to make new again, as you might imagine, to amend, to renew by moving from one stage to a higher one. One similar to the word renovate. If you think of renovating a home, many of you may have done that recently or at some point in your life and you know that it takes a lot of work. It takes some time. And spiritual renewal is a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. Uh, Boot camps typically don't just happen overnight as well. But um, uh, if you renovate a home, you may take a wall out. You may add a wall in. It's not just hanging up something new or painting a wall. It can be something far greater than that. And so as we go through this period of 40 days, I want you to think of that sermon series title, Boot Camp for Renewal. It's the hard work of renewing and restoring and renovating, if you will, our own relationship with Jesus Christ. That may look different for you than for me, but we all know of our weaknesses. We all know of the things in our lives that maybe need some restructuring, some amending, some renewing. And so I hope and pray that you would be open as we go into this new season of of, uh, ministry, of preparing for Easter, uh, and preparing our hearts and our minds and our lives for Easter Sunday. I pray that you would join me in taking this time seriously. Later in April, after Easter, uh, April the 23rd through the 25th, we will be having uh, the first services like this that, that I've had since I've been here. We're just simply calling renewal services or services of renewal. Uh, we have a, a guest, Reverend John Broom, from all the way from Cape Town, South Africa, that will be with us uh, for these three days. He'll be preaching Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Monday night, and Tuesday night. And uh, Bonnie uh, has, uh, you know, I, Bonnie was, was, was talking about him to me, and I was the one that suggested to her, why don't we ask him to come and to preach a series of services? He's a, f- a phenomenal preacher. He has preached here in this pulpit, my understanding is, before, a few years ago, a wonderful man of God, uh, had a very large Baptist church there in, in Cape Town, South Africa, and has now retired. And he will be preaching several revivals as he is in the States for a month later in April. So will you join me in praying for these services and praying for our congregation and for our community as we enter in to this new season of ministry? This series is one that will challenge me. It will challenge each of us to make necessary changes in our life. Uh, as hard as they may be, that will lead us to come clean with sin and will hopefully lead us on the path towards spiritual renewal. Today's message focuses on temptation of Jesus, but it's also important to know and understand what happened just before his time of testing. If you read, go back and read Matthew 3, we learn of Jesus' baptism. 
But I'm going to read a passage from Mark about this same story. And in the Gospel of Mark, everything happens quickly. And you'll see that as I read this. Everything is immediately and suddenly and quickly. Jesus did this and did that. And uh, as, is, as is indicative of, of, of the Gospel writer Mark. But in Mark 1, 9 through 13, he reminds us of what was happening just before Jesus entered the wilderness. And this is important for our message today. In Mark 1, verses 9 through 13, Mark writes, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up, again, immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of heaven which said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Immediately, there we see again, immediately the spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast and the angels were ministering to him. In Mark, Jesus goes to the desert to be tempted and then the angels come and minister to him all in one verse. Luke and Matthew give us a little more details of what happened. Mark summarizes it in one verse. He went into the desert to be tempted by the devil and then the angels came and ministered to him. I want you to look at the painting that is on the front of your bulletin and that will also be on your screen this morning. <clears throat> but the last four Sundays during our love month, I played a song at the beginning of the sermon. And over the next several weeks, I will not be playing a song, but I will be showing you a painting. And I'm not the one who can best describe a painting. That would be my wife or, or Andrea or some others uh, in their church family that would be good at doing that. But I will make a, a small attempt at doing that. But I'll be using a piece of art that goes along with what the gospel story will be about each Sunday. And the painting today is Christ in the Wilderness, or Desert, it's, it's listed both ways, by a Russian artist, Ivan Kromsky, Kromskoy. I may be pronouncing that wrong. But it's a departure from many of the paintings of Jesus that we see. You'll see here Jesus is sitting alone on a rock in the middle of the desert. He's kind of hunched back, his hands are in his lap. His face, if, you can, if, you, if we were to be able to enlarge it as I did this week on my computer screen, his face is a little dejected. He's got red eyes. His face looks weary. He's obviously tired, uh, maybe a little pale. Uh, the sun is at his back and beating down. But it doesn't look like the pictures of Jesus we're used to seeing. It doesn't look like Jesus at the Last Supper. It doesn't look like Jesus is a triumphal king who's returning on his white horse with the, the bright light and the white robe. Uh, it doesn't look like Jesus that we have seen with little children and blessing them and holding them. But again, he's hunched forward, his hands clasped in his knees. He does, not look, he does not look like someone who just heard the voice of God say to him, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I read a description of this this week and I'd like to read, the author was unknown and so the, the article said, um, the artist has assigned a humanity to Jesus that is utterly distressing. We feel his palpable hunger and thirst, a loneliness and terror that pierces to the heart of a completely obscure divinity. We see a haunting isolation of unspeakable profundity and magnitude. It is here in the desert that Jesus communicates his determined resolve to confront evil head on and in the raw. The work of redemption has begun that on this straight and narrow road to Calvary, he will unrelentingly have to contend with his humanity. Many of you in here this morning, as we think about Jesus, and in a sense, Jesus was at a crossroads here in the wilderness as he was being tempted by Satan. Satan was tempting him to take an easier path than the one that God had laid out for him. 
And if I would venture to say in the crowd this, this size this morning, there are some of you who are either at the crossroads, some of you maybe have, have recently victoriously passed through the crossroads of life and made a great decision that the Lord has confirmed in your heart. Others of you this morning remember crossroads, significant crossroads in your life over the recent years. Crossroads where if you would have taken a different route, you would not be here this morning and you would be at a much different place. Your family could look much differently and things in your life would be much different. But Jesus places crossroads in our life. Uh, Jesus was at a crossroads here with Satan in the wilderness. And uh, we can often refer to these times as, as a fork in the road, uh, maybe a time of intersection in our lives. You know, I think of that Robert Frost poem when I've, I've often quoted before and I, I didn't have the details here, but it's, you know, two roads diverged in a single wood, you know, and, I, and eventually he's less taken. And um, some of you this morning may be faced with that crossroads. As I look out over the congregation, I know some of you, and I know some of your stories, and I know some of the things that you're dealing with in relation to family, in relationship to your career, in relationship to your community, and decisions that need to be made in the coming days. This crossroads is a chance to rise to a new level, and we also know if the wrong decision is made, it's a chance to fall. Matthew was a Jewish author, Jewish author writing to Jewish readers. And what is happening here is what would happen before a king or a leader would take his rightful place on the throne is a time of testing, is a time of trial, is a time to, to test his mettle, uh, to see if he's worth his weight. Uh, did, he, did he pass this test? And of course, we know that, that Jesus did. But this was something that was common for Matthew's readers. And so he, he, he places it very, and he spends a great deal of time on it, 11 verses in his gospel, communicating to his readers that Jesus passed the test. When we think of temptation in the scripture, we think of Adam and Eve. We think of Jesus in the desert. We think of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane as he is saying, Father, if possible, let this cup or let this hour pass from me. We think of Israel being tested in the wilderness. Jesus, I'm sure, had other times, multiple times of temptation, but we know of two that are more prominent. Again, I've just mentioned the other one. We, want, we know of one here at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry where Satan was trying to, trying to get him off course. And we know of another one that's very prominent near the end of his ministry as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he is dealing with the agony of what is before him. He is tempted once again. But in today's, in today's passage, we have a paradox going on here that, that at the same time, the same event, God intends for testing, the devil clearly intends for tempting. Israel was tempted in the wilderness and that is where we live most of the time. I wish that I could say I lived at the promised land all the time. We know that if we know Christ and we've put our faith and trust in him, we have a promise awaiting us uh, that is heaven and that one day we will be with Christ forever. The scripture promises us that throughout the scripture. But most of us, if we're honest, we could say we, we often feel like and, and we're living in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, there's temptations as we see with Christ in the story that is before us today. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us of this. The author says, this, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. The first temptation of Christ here in Matthew 4 was very much of a personal nature. It was a very much of a personal encounter. I think I would have failed this test, I'll be honest with you. You know, Ellen had the candy in the hall a minute ago and I walked by and I didn't even say anything to her, I just grabbed some. And she walked back by me and grabbed it back from me and put it back in the, um, 
back in the thing, but they know that I love chocolate in the office. So that's why I was trying to grab it again here. And uh, that was a little devilish of, of Ellen this morning, don't you think? I mean, she was sitting there. I mean, she, she portrayed, I guess, the other side of this. I, I got to be careful not to call my staff, you know, the devil. But, um, but, but Ellen was, was being a good tempter this morning with that chocolate. I wanted to go down there. I mean, she was just sitting there just enjoying it, but she did a great job with those kids. And I think that's something that they'll certainly remember about temptation. But hunger and bread, I would have, Renee, I've got water if that's why you're going out. Yes, thank you. You're very kind. But he knows when we're alone. He knows when we're weak. Um, For those of you who've been on diets, you know that uh, sometimes you may not have the food that you want to eat. You know, there's certain kind of things that you're doing. Some of you may be doing that after, if you're still doing that after January 1st, you know, there's certain kind of food. And so if you don't have those foods, you have the foods that aren't good, but you don't want to go out to the grocery store. It's cold, it's rainy. And so what do you do? You just grab what you have in the cabinet, but it's not what fits your diet. But I would propose to you this morning that when we are at the crossroads of life, like Jesus was here in the desert, it's not only the areas where we are weak that we stumble, but I want you to hear what I'm about to say. It's also sometimes the areas of our strengths that lead us to stumble as well. Uh, If we know that there's, uh, or if, if, if certain individuals have a sense of charm about them, they could be tempted to use that charm in ways that are not beneficial for themselves or for others. If some have a way with words, They could try to use that way with words to get what they want that may not be in their best interest or in their families or others who know them and love them. It may be that if you're gifted with finances and handling money and talking to people about money, you can communicate something and 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 somebody's sitting there in front of you and they go, okay, and they agree to something that benefits you and benefits your company and the customer has no idea what has just happened. And so I would propose to you this morning that we are tempted both in the areas where we are weak but we are tempted also in areas where we may be gifted and there may be where the Lord has blessed us. The second temptation was of a public nature. As, as uh, Jesus, this was most likely a vision that, uh, that uh, Satan and Jesus experienced about going up on the, to the temple. It was very much of a public nature. And, and in each instance, I was gonna say this later, but I'll say it now, in each instance, Jesus does something that is, reminds us that we should be about, and that's knowing scripture. The last four weeks, we've had a scripture memory verse every Sunday, and maybe that's something we should continue uh, every Sunday. Maybe not always pass out the thing, but do something that we can walk away when we've been to worship with a verse that we will focus on and think about for the week. Uh, But uh, I would propose to you, there have been times in my life where I remember a time, I've shared this often, and, and, if I've, and I know my wife will say, please don't share this again, but uh, I, I was on a ski trip one time with a group of youth and, and an old church van. There was about four or five of us in the van. We were going up a hill in the snow, and everybody who's ever driven in the snow, the, the word of advice is you never stop going up a hill, but I had to. There was a car in front of me, and I had to stop. This wasn't good. A, re, a rear-wheel-drive old church van, and I'm trying to start again going up a hill that has snow on it, and I couldn't do it. This, the van started slipping. One tire was kind of off the side of a hill with the icy pond at the bottom. I was able to stop the van, but I told everyone on the van to slowly get off the van, and they did. And so I'm left there with the van on the side of the hill. But the verse, the reason I say this is the verse that popped to my mind, it says, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And I thought, you know what? I'm hoping to live and and get through this and continue with my ministry. But if I don't, I'm ready to go. Um, But with that icy pond, but luckily a a, a Jeep came by with sand and chains and big tires and all this kind of stuff and and pulled me out of that little, but had I taken my foot off the brake at that moment, that van would be at the bottom of the mountain or bottom of that hill 
and into an icy pond. And I don't know what my fate would have been this morning. But there have been other times where I was stuck in an elevator once, Candy, and, you know, thought of a, she, she can relate to that, um, and thought of, a, thought of a scripture verse. But there are times in our lives when we remember five things for a test, ten things for this, or five ways such and such for this test. But when we remember scripture, there is something about it that sticks in us. It's something about it that stays with us. And it may be for you. If somebody just says, you know, for God so, and you, you know how to finish that. It may be that, you know, you start another verse and, and you can just finish it or you know it. But the importance of knowing scripture and, and whatever ways you need to do that, again, putting it on a mirror, putting it in something in your car, putting it on a door where you go in and out of your house daily, but something that would help you. And of course, we see that time and time again with Jesus. He was tempted in a personal way. He was tempted uh, by, in a public nature. And the third temptation was more of a power nature where Satan, they were looking at all the kingdoms of the world. But the temptation is this that I want to share with you today. The temptation is do we or can I, can you uh, do the hard work that will lead to renewal? These next 40 days, the sermon series is boot camp for renewal. And as we journey for these next few weeks on a path to renewal, again, one state higher, a higher one in our lives than the other, can we or will we do the hard work that will lead us to a new place, to being made new. There are three things as I close that I want to remember when, when temptation, that I want you to remember that when temptation, when temptation comes our way, number one, well, first of all, and it will come our way, temptation will come our way, but number the one is we should expect it. No one is immune to it. No one is untouchable by temptation. I don't care where you are in life, how young, how old, how spiritually mature you are, none of us are immune to temptation. Temptation will come, again, in our weak areas, but will also come in our areas where we think we are the strongest. So we should expect it. The second thing is we should detect it. We should recognize it and call it what it is and don't be blind by it. The enemy is clever. He, he knows your weaknesses. Again, he knows the areas and the ways that he can uh, get into you and, and lead you off course, especially if you are uh, going down the course 100% for Jesus. He knows how to distract you and to get your attention in other areas. I don't know if you're like me, but there are times I talk to some of you in the room, and I know this for a fact, but there are times have, that you have been in places or situations where you can just simply detect it and you can feel an evil presence. I hope you don't feel it often, but there are times, sometimes when you're in groups or when somebody, you hear about something new that's beginning or something that's starting or something that you could be involved in and you just sense there's something about it that's just not right. I would encourage you to go with that sense. Uh, and, and again, we need to expect temptation, but we also need to be able to detect it. And we also need to be able to detect the presence of the enemy. And the last one goes in with the second one. The second one, excuse me, is we need to be able to reject it. We don't need to flirt with temptation. The devil is clever and we don't need to think that, um, uh, we don't need to think that we can be more clever in the sense that, um, uh, that we can always overcome this. I do want to say this though, uh, John, I think it's John that reminds us in one of his epistles that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But I think we should also be careful. If you have the idea of bring it on devil, I think that's a dangerous place to be. I, I hear Christians say that sometimes because they get all fired up and they say, bring it on devil, I got it. I think that's a place we need to take caution. We need to watch those words because in a moment when we are weak and those moments will come, then we'll be faced with those words 
Tony Evans says something I would like to share with us, an African-American preacher out of Texas. He said something years ago that helped me in my younger years. He said, feed the spirit of God in your life. Feed the spirit and starve the flesh. Feed those things of God, those good things of God, his word, his people, his, the music, uh, books, anything that, you can, that can help feed the spirit of God in your life and then starve the flesh. Those things that lead you away from God, whether it's music, whether it's video or TV or computer or, or certain people, unfortunately, but whatever it may be that leads you away, these influences that lead you away from Christ is to starve those things, but to feed the spirit of God. Romans 13, 14 was a verse, again, that I committed to memory when I was much younger, but it says, make no provision for the flesh. Let me see which one I put here. New American Standard. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. That means foresight, planning. Don't, don't say, um, okay, well, I'm going to stand strong against the Lord, but then you go and you put yourself in an environment that you know will lead you to stumble. The New Living Translation of this verse says, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Sometimes you just simply need to remove yourself from the situation. Again, make no provision for the flesh. Don't say, well, I'm going to stop this and I'm not going to be tempted in this area anymore. I'm going to stand strong. But then you continue on with the habits that lead you in the past to fall or that could lead you in the future to fall. You got to make decisions. If, if it's computer, if it's TV, if it's, if it's whatever it is, you need to separate yourself and make whatever preparations and whatever provisions that you need to make to stay away from those temptations. Create the right environment so that you will not fall prey to temptation. Hebrews 4.16, remember we read Hebrews 4.15, but in uh, Hebrews 4.16 says, uh, so, so let us come boldly to the throne, to the throne of, of our gracious God, and there we will, they, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it most. I don't know about you, but that's a word of hope this morning for those of us who are at a crossroads and for those, some of you who are giving in to temptation in ways that you know you should not be or simply giving in to temptation at all. It's never a good thing when we do that. But this, this verse here is a word of hope uh, that he will, excuse me, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God that we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This new sermon series, Boot Camp for Renewal. My hope will challenge each of us to repent of sin that we know is in our lives. That's not something we just want to get up and publicly proclaim at church on a Sunday morning and stand up and say, well, I'm doing this or I'm tempted in this way. But yet I hope that these next 40 days that we'll take it serious. And as the sermon series reminds us, it's not always easy. It may not be boot camp for you. I hope it's not. But at the same time, you may have to make some difficult decisions in the midst of the crossroads, in the midst of the intersections that you're facing right now in life. And I ask, will you join with me and ask God to begin a work of renewal in each of our hearts, a renewal that will lead us to look more like Christ? I don't know what intersection or what crossroads you may be faced with today, but like I said earlier, I'm sure in a congregation this size, there are many of you that are, are dealing with something this morning. And some of you, as we've talked about temptation, and there's a lot more that could be said about temptation, but we'll save that for another time. But my, my feeling is this morning that some of you may be uh, in a very real way dealing with 
some temptations this morning. Like I said, we have a church here. As I look around, all ages are represented from, from the youngest to the oldest and everyone in between. We have a lot of people that are choosing new paths for career that are in the midst of making decisions for families. And um, we all face temptations in different ways. I've asked Roger if he would play for just a moment. And what I want us to do is just to bow our heads and, and to close our eyes, to spend a moment in prayer. And in the moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing our closing hymn, which is 300 and... Candy, 300 and 390. We're gonna, so be prepared in a moment. We're going to stand and do that. Uh, we are called to be God's people. But in, for just a moment before we sing, I want us to take a moment just to pray and just to, to confess here at the beginning of this time, of, of, again, of preparation, uh, the season of renewal. As we've transitioned, we've talked about love for four months, and I've enjoyed doing it. But now we're, in, we're entering into something, like I said, that these messages have, may have a little bit more of a sting for us. They may not be as pleasant to hear as we talk about confessing sin, as we talk about renewing our lives spiritually. And so let's just take a moment. If you need to confess or if you need to, maybe, maybe you've had a great week and you just need to thank God for the week that you've had and ask for strength for the upcoming week. But let's just take a moment and pray and then let the Lord lead us as we stand and sing in just a moment. But let's, let's pray right now.
glad you're in the Lord's house today. Would you say amen? amen? Adam, thank you for being with us. We look forward to having you with us this evening, six o'clock. Come back if you can. Bring someone with you. It'll be a wonderful time, an informal time uh, to hear some good music and uh, to um, uh, share the journey with Adam and the things that are going on in his life. Uh, let's close now in prayer, and then let me remind you that the, um, there will be a congregational response at the conclusion of my prayer. Father, remind us, Lord, and uh, to our spirits this morning, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.